0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be bringing you all a trade deadline kickoff. We are now officially five days away from the trade deadline that's going to be Thursday the 10th. And Action is going to be brewing, especially with a team such as the Oklahoma City Thunder. But with this, I want to tell you guys about the first trade we saw, the Clippers deal, and the implications for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I also want to talk about what the Thunder could potentially get this trade deadline season and give you all three under-the-radar prospects that could be in Sam Presti's Crosshairs, And like always, I'll be bringing you all a special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things off, guys, I want to talk about the first trade in trade season. And of course, there are obviously a couple like small deals that we've seen trickle in this year. This is the big one. This is the first big trade we've seen. And for Thunder fans might be worst-case scenario. This is a deal between the LA Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers. Woj announced the deal yesterday, and this is a deal where the Clippers are receiving Norman Powell and Robert Covington, and the Trailblazers are getting Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second-round pick from Detroit. And I'll go into... All the stats and all this breakdown in a second here but initial reaction man um it sucks for a team like the clippers getting assets such as norman powell covington's obviously not the starting caliber like three and d swiss army knife everyone made him out to be three years ago he's probably going to be a good bench player to a nice fill-in starter now but those are two very good players. And you get those two for a player in Eric Bledsoe, who has been kind of coined as a nasty contract for a while. Justice Winslow, who's been good, not been great. And Keon Johnson, who. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. I rated him, I think, top ten in my final big board, actually. So I was high on him. Um, but they weren't utilizing him. He's going to a team in the Blazers that doesn't have a g-league team so we'll see how that developmental process works and then you're giving away a second round pick so when i look at the four assets that the blazers got i'm not really wowed by any of them i think the best one is keon johnson but you gotta see like how are they going to develop him it's a nice throw in i think that's the best uh the clippers could have offered maybe brandon boston could have been in those talks i don't know if he would have been off limits for the clippers given they got a scorer as nice and decorated as Norman Powell and a guy in Covington who will bolster your bench a lot. Uh, But damn, man, yeah, initial reaction, not great. And what you need to know about the deal is for the Clippers, this completely changes their timeline, especially for this season and really long term. But just looking at the now, The Clippers, they have been on the fence all season. They've been teetering between, like, picks 10 through 16 for about two months now, and they've been at the 500 mark, just barely getting above the horizon just to lose a couple more games and to get the conversation going again, saying, hey, Thunder could get a nice pick out of this, because you have to remember, I mean, this Clippers pick is going unprotected to Oklahoma City this season, so 27 and 27, 15th in the conference or 15th in the NBA and reverse standings so they've been in a spot where uh, things could get spicy for the Thunder and to make it even better everyone has kind of been bunched into this group where you're either a couple games above 500 or a couple below they're two games away from the number 10 odds right now so it was looking great but now you get Norman Powell and now you get covington who are both going to be contributors from day one with this unit and the outlook changes they have paul george who is injured right now he's expected to come back this year and you have Kawhi leonard who was ruled out for the season but it still could be up in the air like this is a playoff team with paul george at the helm they're a playoff team anyways they're gonna be on that play-in bubble if not cracking into number six or something that's a solid team they have pg they have guys like luke Kennard. reggie jackson has been a stellar point guard for his pay grade and even someone like nick batum has been lighting it up you got terrence mann as well like they're a depth heavy roster and they got serge Ibaka too who can give you some nice stats so to get powell who can score and be that number two or number three option is big time for them. Not to mention Kawhi. If he's there, you got two stars easily and uh, two really good shot creators and Norman Powell and Luke Kennard and you get Covington. So for this season right now, this lets you know, they're looking to go like all in. All the chips have been pushed in to get a guy like Powell and to get a guy like Covington. Yeah, they're not kidding around anymore. This is a move that really gives you that direction. And for the Portland Trailblazers, it does the exact same thing. They are ninth in reverse standings right now. They are 21 and 31. And the scary part, they are just four games back from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this episode has been recorded before tonight's, or I guess yesterday's game between the Thunder and and the Trailblazers, I will get you a recap in the next one, but I just want to say, this might be the most important game OKC will have this month, I don't know about the whole season, but definitely for this month, because the Blazers just offloaded arguably one of their top scorers in Norman Powell, and one of their best vets in Covington for a bunch of projects, I mean, Bledsoe's good, I think that Winslow's good, When you look at Johnson, he could somehow be a monster. I was high on him. But right now, this is a developmental trade. They want to try to work the stock back up on Winslow, get Keon Johnson to that lottery level that everyone was praising him for. So long term, they could knock this one out of the park. And I think they could uh, with Johnson. But right now, this is a move that signals they're okay with losing some games this season. They have Damian Lillard, who is out for the next six to eight weeks minimum. They're going to have to reschedule and kind of get another timeline then. Um, And, you know, they got CJ right now. They got Simons, but, you know, they're not getting the wins. So they're throwing in a bit of a towel here. And if they are able to lose to the Thunder, it makes it nice for them. They would only be two and a half games away from OKC at that number four spot. And there would be a three-way tie at that four through six spot if OKC does defeat the Blazers. On the flip side, if the Blazers come out and defeat the Thunder, you get more of a cushion. It goes from four games back to five and a half games back. So breathing room would be there and I'd be cool with it. Five and a half games, that's a large chunk. Two and a half games on the other side... Absolutely not. No way. That is not comfortable at all. And you look at it even more, you got not just the Blazers, you got all the teams kind of mushed in between right now. Wouldn't be pretty. Indiana, they've been losing games. Sacramento, things have not been going their way. San Antonio, they've also been losing. So there's a mosh pit here, and even the Pels. So you don't want to get yourself in that category involved with the Blazers. You would almost make a group from 4 through 9 off the game. And am I overthinking it? Sure. Present day, though, this does mean a lot. So you know for sure the Trailblazers are looking to rebuild, at least for this season. They see dames out. They see they're not really in the playoff picture right now. So just see if you can get a good pick. And I don't blame them for it. I understand that. And when you look at some of the other deals, like Norman Powell's contract does not look good um and, and I think that was viewed as a negative asset in this trade to be honest with you but I I see why you would want to offload a guy like Powell but just the breakdown you got another tanking team in that pot you got the Clippers looking to go all in both of those are recipes for disaster for the Thunder because they work both ways and the reason this is so bad uh for the Clippers side or at least for the Thunder side Norman Powell's contract has him inked for the next five seasons. He's on year one of five. He just got an extension from the Blazers. Five years, $90 million. So it is a pretty penny. But ownership does not care. Owner is extremely loaded. He's got Kawhi. He's got Paul George. He's got Luke Kennard. Now he has Norman Powell. And he has Covington, who's on an expiring But that's still a good chunk of change. He'll dip into the luxury tax to form a really good team. And I guess it's fine to take on that contract for a player like Powell. If you have the pockets ready, go for it. So Powell is now a long-term piece on the Clippers. He's been consistently clocking like 16, 18 points the last couple of seasons. Don't know if he takes the hit joining the Clippers now, but he's still going to be the same type of player, which is a very... Good one on both sides of the ball, and same goes for Covington. That's going to give you a really good bench solidifier and a starter, if need be, with the one year they currently have. So it makes the active lineup: Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell. You get Luke Kennard at the four. You can play Batum or you can play Roko and Zubac when he's going to be healthy again. And that's not even including a guy like Terrence Mann who can light it up. And that's not including. Paul George, or Kawhi Leonard who are out right now. So if you get the full strength Clippers out, you get Jackson, Powell, Paul George, you get Kawhi, Zubach, and the bench is almost a starting caliber team too. Mann, Kennard, Covington, and Batum, and even the Morris twin if you would like to. Hell yeah, that's a great team. And you know you're gonna have some differing contracts like reggie jackson's not signed for long same goes for batum these are kind of just like mid-level exception deals but they're still gonna be standing even if those guys leave you have that core and you're in los angeles people are gonna to want to go to that place they're gonna to want to try to win some titles with two of the best in the game right now so they've got it laid out i think that it's kind of been known like hey you got Kawhi, you got paul george obviously you're going to be in contention but you're just kind of holding out hope for them exploding imploding or throwing a bone like this season thought it was in the cards probably not in the cards uh for this season so the hope is maybe it doesn't work out you're still hanging around like the 12 to 15 spot it's going to be a tough one though and long term same kind of sticks like when you got Kawhi back and you got Paul George back, you're going to be contending and the contracts barring no extension uh, should keep them in a very good place for the next five seasons. And coincidentally Powell's contract goes hand in hand with that. The thunder, they get a clean shot this season at their pick. Same goes for 2024, same goes for 2026, 23 and 25 are pick swaps. So we'll see if those are used, but yeah this um this is one where you got a lot of dominoes falling and they're not going in the thunder's direction sadly so we'll see how everything kind of works out as of right now it's kind of one where you just sigh a little bit because of this season when you look beyond it um you you know the the expectation was always that the clippers were going to be going all in just didn't know if it was going to be this year looks like they're okay with making a deal and hell I don't blame them for making this deal. Even if they weren't looking to go all in this season and they weren't looking to get really talented players, there was no reason not to do it. You don't have your draft pick. And Norman Powell, if you don't like the contract, if you got the money for it at least, that's going to be a positive acquisition for you, not just for this season, but for the future. There's no point in them losing games. So, yeah, take your best shot at it. That's what they did. I think they get an A-plus grade here, and for the Blazers, you can't really fault them just because Powell had a contract where you're just locked up for way too long. If you're not bought into this big three of Powell, Lillard, and McCollum, yeah, get rid of them, and, you know, Keon Johnson definitely could be a player for you, so, yeah, you get a a nice young player you can try to foster up. Second-round pick is from Detroit. It's in 2025, though, so maybe the value would be okay uh, in that situation, but yeah, makes sense. I would give the edge to the Clippers now. Definitely a long-term move for the Portland Trailblazers and definitely a heartbreaker for Thunder fans. But to lighten up the mood, want to mention three different players that are under the radar in my eyes that OKC might be gunning for. But before I get into that, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million as the top prize with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources void where prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat. In New York, call 887-8-HopeNY. Or text hope and why that's four six seven three six nine. But guys, moving along to three under the radar prospects, and with this, I wanted to pick players that really aren't getting the recognition that they deserve. Like three people that might not be in the greatest situations, environments, not in the rotation, not these mainstream guys that we keep hearing about, like the Marvin Bagleys, the Mo Bombas would they be good pickups? Sure. I I think that you can make the case for that. But I want to talk about those guys that could be up for grabs, potentially for cheap, or just as a throw-in in in a three or four-team trade. And as we know with Oklahoma City, they're looking to get in those types of deals. One-for-ones, they could be in the cards. But we know Sam Presti's blueprint. He's looking to get some more assets, asset accumulation mode. You have Kenrich Williams, you have Mike Muscala, Derek Favors could be a filler in a trade or something. So you have a couple chips, not as many as last year, but they're there. So you can be a seller with those guys, or you can make some sneaky moves to pick up some players. So this isn't about getting second round picks or getting a a first round pick out of a deal. This is getting straight players that you can develop right now. And that's kind of where I want to go with this. Don't have the greatest record. Obviously, you're looking to lose games. You're picking up guys that have that potential in them. And hell, they could be a pretty good fit for the process currently going on. And the first guy is Isaiah Todd from the Washington Wizards. If you guys were listening to me over the summer and during the g-league bubble you know isaiah todd was one of my favorite prospects i almost said one of if not but i think Jalen green kind of had that honor i was really just infatuated with the g-league ignite last year let's call it how it is and with isaiah todd there is a reason to he's six foot ten But the dude plays like a shooting guard small forward. He has so much in his bag, in between the legs, step back three, post fadeaways, Euro steps in transition, Euro's leading to dunks. He's got it all. So his offensive game is so well-rounded and a size that you normally don't see with those attributes makes him tantalizing and it makes him a guy that I think Sam Presti should be going for. Now, this draft season... OKC didn't have the chance to pick up Isaiah Todd and ended up being a good decision, I believe, because you got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who might not have the same floor or the same crazy skill set as Todd, but he's a good player. I mean, he's injured, but as we've seen, he's been a suitable center. He's been shooting, what, 33% from distance, and it's about all you need right now. So they got a role player, definitely a guy that should have been a first rounder in a redraft he would but Todd he slipped into the second round ended up getting picked one spot below JRE pick 31 where went to the Pacers they picked Todd traded him off to Washington and then you had the package deal where OKC snagged Robinson Earl and with that trade, this was a multiplayer trade where I think one of the holidays got offloaded as well. Um, just multiple players. And Todd happened to be one of them. It looked like that for the Wizards side, they would be looking to play Isaiah Todd. It seemed like a good enough situation uh, for him to get minutes, but it just not. It, it hasn't been. He hasn't been able to touch the floor. The Wizards, they are approaching 50 games on the season. And he's only played nine times, just 35 minutes in all across those nine averages of 1.8 points, one rebound. There's nothing there. There's not enough of a sample size at that NBA level for him. And when you look at what's been going on uh, between the two parties, he just got suspended one game. This was earlier last week. They slapped one down on him. It was for conduct detrimental to the team. I don't know what that means. It wasn't released to the public. But that's just what happens. So he's get that he's gotten that one-day suspension. Would I read much into it? Probably not, to be honest with you. But it still lets you know they're monitoring him, even if he's only played 35 minutes. They will suspend him, have him with the Washington Go-Go, and not let him play against the G League Ignite, his former team. The Ignite were pushing this matchup for weeks. If you check their social media page, they were showing Isaiah Todd facing his old matchup for a while. Didn't even happen because of this suspension. And, you know, with the G League, it hasn't been much different for him. He's still been productive there, and that's where he's had to kind of settle down at again because he's not getting the call-ups, and he's not getting the minutes. He's played 20 games for the Washington Go-Go so far, shooting for 14 points per game, gotten 5.4 boards, and 1.2 assists, so the numbers have actually been a little bit better than they were uh, with the G League Ignite last season, he's gotten more of a role, I think that's kind of the main reason as to like why that's happened, there's no Jalen Green in the mix, there's no Deshaun Nix also needing uh, shots up, and Kuminga as well, like, that was a, that was a really, really loaded team, so He had to kind of work for uh, his touches there, but now he's in a situation with Washington where you got like the Kyrie Walkers, you've got a couple of players, but you're kind of in the forefront of the offense, and with it, you've been able to see those tantalizing plays where you're intrigued and picking them up um, through the trade market. Now, when you actually look at the stats behind the 14 points per game, efficiency has not been amazing. He's shot 27% from deep, shot seven times per game. So he's always out there on the pick and pops, just have not been falling. Gotta remember last year shooting 36% from distance. So he's a career 30% shooter roughly from downtown. And then you look at the foul line, he's also dipped too, 53% there. So numbers have slightly decreased. However, I still think the positives outweigh the negatives just because you're getting highlight plays from every facet of the floor. And OKC, I know they're trying to settle down, find those guys that could be role players or could be solid producers night to night, and Todd has kind of been up and down. I think at the right price, though, this is a definite no-brainer. With Washington, he hasn't gotten that opportunity. I feel like, in my eyes, if you play him at the NBA level, there's not going to be that much of a difference Only issue I've seen with him has been the rebounding side of things. That wasn't a strong suit with the Ignite. Hasn't really been one uh, with the Go-Go either. But he can be that hot and cold shooter. He can be that microwave. And with the Thunder team that has kind of just been so all in on these pick-and-pop shooters, I think Todd is worth uh, throwing a second or throwing a couple assets at. And the reason I say it, you know, he was explosive next to a Jalen Green last year. I think Jalen Green, uh, as the, as an Ignite player, is pretty similar to what SGA has been doing the last couple seasons. High ball screen up top, rim run. Todd is a really good lob threat, and Green was a good passer. SGA is a good passer too. Josh Giddy is one of the best in the game off those high ball screen passes. And hell, even a Trey Mann or Ty Jerome could reap the rewards of his cutting. Uh, but also, kick it out to him up top, he can try to create there too. I think 31 was a little late for Todd. He hasn't been able to really blossom. He's kind of been a foregone thought as of this season, but, you know, a package could be had, I feel like, because of some of the issues the Wizards currently have, and I could see them not wanting to make a deal saying, hey, give us a couple more years, got him in a trade, value him. But the Wizards have a point guard discrepancy right now. They have Raúl Neto, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Aaron Holiday currently. All three of those guys are certified vets. Neto's 29, Dinwiddie's 28, and Holiday is 25. They could use a younger point guard. Teo Maladon is almost in the same boat as Isaiah Todd. You know, like he doesn't have any crack of the rotation because of SGA, Giddy. Uh, man and then you know you keep going down the line right like he just can't get minutes but he's been productive at the g league level he looked good his rookie campaign he was making nice plays as a passer also on and off the ball shooting wise too so maybe you want to make that move where the wizards get younger in that position they already have way too many power forwards so it kind of makes sense there and then for the thunder They're overloaded in the backcourt. So, going and sending out Maladone, who you aren't playing uh, for a guy like Todd, would be amazing. Would you have to include seconds? I feel like you probably would. Would I do that? I think so. I think there's enough risk in return that it's worth throwing out a couple of seconds or something. And if they want a guy like Ty Jerome either, so be it. Jerome's going to be that more consistent presence as a passer, as a shooter. But I don't know if the ceiling is quite as uh, as high as uh Teo but that's the first guy. Second guy on the list, Paul Reed from the Philadelphia 76ers. And when you ask like a, a 76ers fan who's off limits in trades, they damn near would say everybody. That's just how it is. That's how media is like Twitter in particular with guys But I don't know if the front office holds the same exact values with Paul Reed and being untouchable. Is Paul Reed a good player? Yeah. Is Paul Reed young enough to where there's potential? Absolutely. There's not enough minutes though. And the 76ers are looking to contend, right? Like they are in the conversation for James Harden. They'd be in conversation to trade a guy like Paul Reed for an immediate impact player. And the Thunder have a couple of those that I'm sure they'd love to send out for a guy like Paul Reed. Now, just starting things off with Reed, he barely even got picked last uh, draft season. 58th selection. Came out of DePaul. He was an all-conference player right before heading out for the draft. Crazy athletic. Looked good as a pick-and-pop player. And in the G League bubble, he was by far the best talent. Moses Brown had Player of the Week week one. And then it was the Paul Reed show easy ended up averaging 22.3 points 11.9 rebounds and 2.3 assists in 15 games and shot 44.4 percent from distance now that's a small sample it's dipped this year with the delaware blue coats but man he was doing anything he wanted last february and this season He's still been productive. He's averaging 21.6 points, 13 and a half rebounds, and he's been doing it across 11 different games. When you see that stat line, you're thinking, yeah, he should be playing off the bench, or he should have had his NBA shot. He really has not had one right now. He's only been playing uh, in 8.8 minutes per game for average, uh, and it's been garbage time, really. That's his role only averaged two points and 2.2 rebounds. So he's kind of been shunned away from the NBA opportunity, at least on the big stage. And when I see Paul Reed, I kind of see a player like Omer Yurt7 almost, where OKC, they had him last season, was great in the G League bubble. Did I think he'd be this good? No. I thought he would be a definite good pickup as like a bench piece. Because he was hitting threes, he was really nice in the post, he just kept expanding on his game, every single one of those 15 games I'm talking, dead serious, there was always something new with him, and the Thunder didn't capitalize, they didn't offer him a two-way contract, no 10-day contract went his way, and he just sat around, trained in Miami, the Heat picked him up, gave him that NBA opportunity, and he's matching records with Shaquille O'Neal, getting double-double after double-double. The plug has been pulled because Bam is back, but you know that Omer Yard 7 is legit. He's been on rookie rookie ladders, and hell, he should be a couple rungs higher, uh, especially during that hot streak he had earlier on in the month. So I see Omer, I see Paul Reed. I just see a player that has been so good at the G League level and has been playing Uh, in a way that I think translates because of his athleticism, because of his shot blocking ability, rebounding and nice spot up game that he'd be a productive bench player in the league. So I think the thunder could try to make that offer. When you look at Paul Reed, he's 22 years old. So he's still got those growth plates in terms of his NBA trajectory. Why not take a snag or take that shot into a guy like him Paul Reed is has been a four and five I, I don't know if I'd say he's a tweener because in the bubble he was strictly a center it's a bit more murky what when he's been at the NBA level but I still think that athletic ability and that shot makes him a fair gamble just as some of the aforementioned guys like Isaiah Todd so Roby's in the way I think that a competition between those two would be nice. I'd probably pick Reed. And then you have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Now, I don't know how that one shakes up, but I'll tell you what. I think that Paul Reed would be a decent bench contributor. See how he does there and see if he can really permeate that success from the G League level uh, with the OKC Thunder. And the way that you get a guy like Paul Reed would be interesting. I think that the best one-for-one method would involve Kenrich Williams at some level I don't know if they're getting Harden I think that's one where you can't really say it until the deal has been finalized because Harden is a superstar but if they need to bolster the shooting guard small forward or even power forward spot Kenny Hustle can do it all for you he's got one of the cheaper contracts in the league and if you don't think you can play Paul Reed right now might want to take Kenrich Williams to help you if you're looking to get that championship ring. If it's not a one-for-one, I think it comes out of a Ben Simmons trade. Let's say the constructs would be between the Nets and the 76ers. They might need to add three or four teams to make contracts work. The Thunder can jump in on that, send out a first, second, whatever it may be, get Paul Reed back as a bit of a sprinkler in there, and call it good. So, Might want to take a look here. I like Paul Reed as a prospect, just as I do with uh, Isaiah Todd. Just got to find those minutes, of course, in the front court. Last guy on the list, though, he's a bit different than uh, Isaiah Todd and Paul Reed in the sense that he's actually trending upwards in terms of stock. He's not a G League player. He's an NBA player. Uh, But it's been a slippery slope for this guy. And it's Jalen McDaniels, from the Charlotte Hornets. And McDaniels is similar to Reed. One of the final 10 guys selected in the draft class. Pick number 52. Played in the G League and NBA level back and forth for first couple of seasons. Third year now. He has been balling out though. He's been regularly in the rotation for the Hornets, played 39 of 50 games this year, posted 6.6 points, 3.5 boards, and 1.1 assists and 17.6 minutes you got to read into the numbers though with McDaniels and he's one of those microwave scorers six foot nine just kind of like his brother Jaden where he's lanky and he's able to shoot it really good ball handler gives you the areas from really all three levels and he's had 11 double digit performances this year because that microwave play but you gotta look at where those double digit games have come from majority have come from the month of january he's had eight of those games in that month averaged 11 points and 4.9 rebounds he's had six consecutive double digit games i'm sure he's looking to continue that so mcdaniels is one of the far-fetched ones let's be real here i think with reed and with todd probably todd more so or actually reed more so than todd the team that's trading. They probably aren't going to play them um, because their current situation, whether it's rotationally or because they have championship aspirations. With the Hornets, they're this young, up-and-coming team. They already have so many young guys. They have LaMelo Ball, James Booknight, Kai Jones, McDaniels, Bridges, Washington. Go down the line. They're all there. I don't think they need to trade him necessarily. So this is one where you would have to send out really solid picks you'd have to send out a nice sweetener I'd be talking a Poku maybe if you're looking to trade Poku I wouldn't give him up just yet he's been super inconsistent but on the on the flip side like if I'm the Hornets GM I wouldn't want Poku for Jalen McDaniels right now McDaniels he's starting to prove himself with Poku it's still up and down whether you're in the NBA or G League level And with a guy like Baisley, I don't know if that works out for either team. So it's a bit of a hard one to match up. He's definitely a player, though, that would be nice under Sam Presti's system. Just another ball handler, point forward type where he can really get it going from downtown. And if he doesn't work out, doesn't matter. He's on a two-year, $3.7 million deal, only 23 years old. He's going to be a restricted free agent. So it gives you a lot of creativity if you do lock him up. So ideally, you'd have to get McDaniels off a one for one. I think that that's actually the only way to do it. (laughs) Um, But you got to make the money work. You got to get the future assets out the way. And it's very hard to do that. So you would have to expand this to a three-team deal. Guys like Derek Favors could help make the money work. They could use another center. got Isaiah Roby as a young guy, role-player type. Might add some second-round picks. Might add a guy like Poku, like I mentioned earlier. That one might be a bit controversial, but yeah, it's hard to get him. I think it's more of like a pipe dream to land someone like him, but he's a player right now where he's really starting to trend up. You want to try to catch him before he's at that really high level, and if the Hornets are looking to entertain calls, Might as well ask if you don't get them, you don't get them would be a really good pickup though, you know So that kind of wraps it up there. All three of those guys would get you filled in at the four spot It's kind of a weird one because you already have bays you have poku. You've been throwing guys in in and out at that position But you get one of those three Adds another one who might actually stick for you and i'd be pretty confident in some of them eventually sticking, or being a really good long-term piece, wait it out a couple seasons, uh, and see where they end up landing. But other than that though guys, that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya!